This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Gary Adams, President and CEO of the National Cotton Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Gary Adams next. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about six commitments to make crops more efficient, rescue more farmland, help biodiversity flourish, reach and empower smallholders, help people stay safe, and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One Planet, Six Commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Acreage surveys suggest more cotton acres for 2017. Gary Adams, President and CEO of the National Cotton Council, says cotton prices are better than a year ago, but also competing crop prices are down. Overall, the industry has seen improvement, but cotton farmers are still dealing with real financial challenges, and that's keeping stress on the industry. As we've looked at some of the adjustments in acreage that have occurred over the last few years, uh, particularly as we look at some areas maybe in the the Mid-South or Delta states and out West where acreage has declined, it has put a a lot of pressure on infrastructure, and we've seen uh, some cotton gins close and, and probably not going to reopen. I do think when we look at the financial situation, we're kind of caught in, a, in an area right now where cost of production are still relatively high. The returns from cotton are, are covering variable cost and maybe a part of their fixed cost, but they're not covering the total cost. And, and so the pressure's still there. Uh, some producers were fortunate enough to have above average yields last year, uh, and I think that has led to some of the uh, uh, some optimism and eased the pressures a bit. But my concern is, as we head into 2017, there's still a lot of financial pressure out there on the producer side, and, and unfortunately, we need probably, again, another year of above-average yields to try to help producers make ends meet. One measurement of the industry is the ability for producers to secure operating loans. Following your national meeting a few days ago, what sense did you pick up from the economic barometer? That's a good point. We do still hear concerns when we go around various parts of the country, and and, and they're probably... Uh, those concerns are most notable are when we look at areas that had problems last year. I know the Carolinas had another challenging year from a, from a harvest perspective because of hurricanes that went through right about harvest time. So that's, that's got some pressure. Uh, some other parts, particularly in the southwest, that may not have had as good a year yield-wise uh, are still seeing some pressure. And then as we talk to the lending community, they certainly express those concerns as well as they look at their portfolio for their customers. And I think, too, when we look at some of the data that comes out of the Federal Reserve over these last couple of months is they show still pressure there uh, in terms of the ability to repay loans. We're seeing that ability to repay loans still be lower than it was a few years ago. Uh, So certainly financial pressures are out there in the countryside. The cotton industry was adamant in asking former Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack to declare cottonseed as an all seed to help producers being able to participate perhaps in the ARC and the PLC program. As we are looking now at the Senate Ag Chair, Pat Roberts, and the House Ag Chair, Mike Conaway, both suggesting to write the farm bill on time, neither suggesting an early rewrite. Are you in solid enough financial footing to survive this year until there is a new bill and a new plan, or do you need some short-term help? We are still looking uh, for avenues for short-term assistance. Uh, 
and and you pointed out uh, correctly that we made a a strong push uh, with Secretary Vilsack on the designation. He ultimately, as you know, decided uh, that he did not have the legal authority uh, to make that designation. Uh, We were fortunate to have the one-time assistance occur last summer through the Jennings Cost Share Assistance Program. But, like I said, I think we still look at a lot of concern just in bridging the gap to the to the next farm bill. And and even if we do the farm bill on time, and, and that is the intent that's been expressed by both Chairman Conaway and Chairman Roberts, that new farm bill would start with the 2019 crop. And given, we're not sure how the structure of the 2019 crop would look like, but given how payments uh occur and how they're they kind of lag harvest uh, that would mean you know payments for the 19 crop under the current structure would occur in calendar 2020 that's still a, a long way in the future and a and a, a long way for a lot of cotton farmers to hold on to that so uh, i guess in short we're still looking at avenues for some short-term assistance uh and uh, and going to explore those as we go forward as well what opportunities would you pursue well, I think if there, is there any opportunity to do something legislatively uh, as we go through this year, whether it's, as it's as Congress approaches uh, the end of April and the need to fund the government uh, with an omnibus package, is that a way to try to put something in place that could provide support to growers? Uh, or also, uh, we've got a new Secretary of Agriculture that will be in place at some point in time in the coming weeks. Uh, we certainly want to go have that conversation again with the new Secretary of Agriculture and see if he reaches a, a different conclusion than Secretary Vilsack. Let's look back at 14. The Stacks program uh, was one different than ARC and PLC. It was tailored just for the cotton producer. Uh, what was right about it? What was wrong about it? And, and does it continue into a 2018 bill? Yeah, it's a, and I think as we do look back at, at what's available in the 14 Farm Bill, and you're right, uh, Stacks was was an enhanced and a new crop insurance offering available for cotton, and that was a program uh, that was in part dictated by the circumstances of the time when we looked at the 2014 Farm Bill and the landscape around that. And of course, uh, at that time, we were dealing with uh, the findings of the of the WTO dispute with Brazil and the need to resolve that dispute because they had, at the time, they had the right to retaliate uh, against products coming from the United States. So that put a lot of pressure on the on U.S. cotton industry to find some program going forward, and crop insurance was seen as a vehicle to do that since it was unsuccessfully challenged in the, in the dispute. I think one of the things that that happened as we went through that whole farm bill process is the stacks that came out at the, as the end product didn't have as, as high a coverage or didn't have as much support in it as what was originally proposed, and it just was uh, adjustments were made as we went through in terms of trying to resolve the Brazil case. I think also on the back side of the farm bill, uh, we went through a farm bill debate process where cotton prices were uh, in the 80 to 90 cent range, and then about the time the farm bill was implemented and stacks came into place, markets started moving lower because of some changes in supply and demand fundamentals, some of the actions by China. We moved down into the 60s, and when we got into that period of sustained low prices, uh, then stacks and other crop insurance products that are tied directly to the futures market just didn't provide the level of support that producers needed. So I think there's a, a number of factors that went into play, uh, I think, going forward, uh, 
you know, where Stacks fits in the next farm bill. That's just something uh, right now the industry is going to have to work through, and our producer leadership will be having those discussions as we go forward into 2017. Both sides of the Capitol and the respective ag committees are either holding listening sessions or hearing regarding policy. Uh, and as we started debate on the 14 Farm Bill, it was from the get-go that $23 billion was coming out of direct payments. So now we approach the 2018 Farm Bill, and spending is going to be a big issue. Uh, former Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said that conversation needs to start with the programs that are needed rather than how much money is going to be saved. On this program two weeks ago, uh, Colin Peterson, the ranking member on the House Ag Committee, said the, the dairy program that he had crafted and put together would have worked had not budget cuts through CBO reduced the effectiveness of the program. So does this debate start with how much money we have to save or the right program to get the job done? knowing the 14 bill, saving close to $100 billion. I think you make some very good points. And and we have got to, I think, to support not only cotton but agriculture in general, we've got to look at what is needed in the way of programs that provides that meaningful safety net so that we can keep producers in business and we can allow agriculture to, to hopefully weather what we hope are temporary but very difficult economic circumstances and, and come out the other side stronger. So I do think it is... The situation of not going into it with a mindset of a cut, but going into it and looking at what is needed so that producers, given the cost of production they face and given the, the risk they face, what are the, what's needed in the way of safety nets for, for all the regions of the country so that uh, we can hopefully go forward and have a strong agricultural economy. Well, we're long on ideas and we're short on money, so that's one area that, that, that seems to hit us, not just in farm policy but in other areas. But at the same time, let's talk about acres for a minute, because Mr. Peterson talking about increasing the CRP, maybe up to 40 million acres. Senator Thune talking about uh, a ship program where, uh, no, not a CRP and not as long, but both ideas of taking some land out of production. Would would that affect uh, cotton farmers? You know, it, it could, and, and certainly when you look regionally across the cotton belt, we do have a lot of producers that uh, that have land participating in, in the Conservation Reserve Program. We also have a lot of producers that are uh, making use of the CSP program, so I think those are opportunities, and we certainly want to maintain those voluntary conservation programs that provide avenues for producers to provide support to them, but also allows them to incorporate some best management practice into their farming operation. So the question for some of the other major crop farmers would be, do you pay on base acres or planted acres? You have issues as well, whether you're working with base acres or generic base acres. Talk about acreage and participation and and how that variable could make it better or could create some challenges for you. We do hear a lot of discussion about base acres versus planted acres. We have, and, and we do have generic acres were Previously, upland cotton base acres, we feel like there's going to have to be a conversion of those generic acres back to some type of, of cotton, cotton seed covered commodity basis as we go into the next farm bill. I do think there will be a lot of discussion about planted acres versus base acres. Again, we've historically looked at programs, or at least in recent years, programs tied to base acres as opposed to planted acres. There's pros and cons going both ways. Uh, obviously, one thing we have to consider is when we look at planted acres in a coupled program, uh, that does tend to raise more concerns on the trade front side than a decoupled program. So I think those are all issues that are going to come into play as we look at uh, 
you know, plant, how base acres are determined. Do you keep the stacks program and something else, or do you plan on giving up stacks and using that revenue for some other type of safety net program? You know, again, I think details there are probably yet to be determined exactly how that plays out in discussions within our industry leadership. I think one thing that you could see is stacks is in place, but perhaps there's another program available for cotton producers then and they choose to enroll in that other program perhaps they're not eligible to purchase the stacks product and i throw that out as just one option because we've already seen that play out in the 2014 farm bill when a when a farm might have been enrolled in the arc program for other covered commodities and then it was ineligible for the purchase of the supplemental coverage option so i think those are the playbook reads right now, I think all those options are on the table. So when we think about coming together, I'll go all the way back to the American Farm Bureau Convention, and Zippy Duvall, the president of Farm Bureau, told the, the convention goers in Phoenix that we need to go to Washington with one ask. And Chairman Conaway at the Commodity Classic suggested that agriculture needed to have meetings and come together with some of those differences already resolved. Are you already working with other commodity groups for solutions? We have had a lot of discussions just in, in general with counterparts from other commodity groups to see, you know, what's coming out of their groups and their leadership in terms of where we go. And I think in part right now it's, it's been more of a general focus about the need for adequate funding within a farm bill so that it can provide that broader safety net. I would say right now it's just a little bit early to, to drop down in the weeds and have some of those discussions yet among the commodities. but. But certainly that, that's probably coming, and I think it is very important for agricultural groups to be on the same page to the greatest extent we can and, and have a common message that will hopefully resonate when we go to Capitol Hill. I do think as we look ahead to you know kind of the next debate, certainly we're going to continue from a policy standpoint also to try to push back on any further tightening of payment limits or eligibility restrictions in the way of things like income means test to be eligible for farm program benefits. Because so I think as we look at today's commercial-sized family farming operations, we just realize the risk and the exposure they have from their cost of production and their equipment input, their fixed cost. And so they need to be able to hopefully participate in these safety net programs uh, to the fullest extent possible without regard to the size of, of their operation or the scale of their operation. Gary, how important is the export market to the U.S. cotton industry, and is there any indigestion among your members with regard to the Trump administration's efforts toward more bilateral negotiations than multilateral? Trade is extremely important to the U.S. cotton industry. We have, when we just look at the raw cotton fiber, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of our cotton goes into the export markets, and even then, the amount that is used by the U.S. textile industry, much of that is processed into yarn and fabric, and it also moves into the export market. So, yes, we are very dependent on trade. We want to make sure we keep those markets that we have in place open to U.S. cotton. And I think, too, particularly as we look at you know a potential focus on, uh, for example, NAFTA, we're just going to obviously convey that uh, the importance of the NAFTA market to U.S. cotton and hopefully be able to retain those benefits. I think going forward, as President Trump and his administration looks at various bilateral agreements, uh, we'll just have to evaluate each one kind of uh, in terms of the potential benefits that it holds back to the U.S. cotton and textile industries. But I think at the end of the day, we realize 
the importance of trade, the importance of exports, and we have to keep those markets open. Now, obviously, there are other global producers uh, providing cotton fiber, but are there other segments of industry, synthetic fibers or others, that you see as a challenge that your work in the weeks and months ahead would have you pairing off competition? You're right. U.S. exports into a very competitive world market, so we do face competition from other cotton producers such as Australia, Brazil, India to some degree. But I think when we step back and look at the overall global fiber market, there is a synthetic or man-made fiber market out there that's two and a half times the size of the world cotton market. And as we look at some of the data that's available, particularly for countries such as China, we see man-made fiber prices that hover around 50 to 55 cents a pound and excess capacity being reported at levels of approximately 30%. So we know that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on cotton demand when there's that much availability of lower-priced synthetic fibers. And I think one of the things we're trying to dig into as a, from the council's perspective is gain a better understanding of why that excess capacity continues to exist to what extent do policies come into play in the polyester and synthetic fiber markets, and are there things we can do there to try to address what what may be unfair competition from other fibers? You've seen executive order from this administration that would roll back the waters of the U.S. rule, but also a statement from Administrator Pruitt that they would proceed with writing a new set of regs. What are your thoughts on pulling back on the old and, as well, writing new? I think we see that as a step very much in the right direction. We've had a lot of concerns just in in general about uh, some of the provisions of the existing waters of the U.S. rule. So I think to take a new look at that and hopefully make some changes that will make it less onerous on our producers is, is very much a step in the right direction. And I think in general, from a regulatory perspective, uh, we're hopeful that as we look at uh, Administrator Pruitt Uh, and some of his direction that he's taken, that we can see some relaxation in in the regulatory burden that's placed on producers. Uh, Not that we certainly don't place a priority and an importance on making sure that we have sound farming practices and environmentally friendly farming practices employed, but also we do not want to have duplicative or overly burdensome regulations. Gary Adams, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is open mic, and you have an open forum. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of give you an update on the cotton industry. You know, I think we do look at what has been a challenging economic environment within the U.S. cotton industry over these last couple of years. Uh, hopefully, as we go into 2017, we've, we've weathered a lot of the storm. There's still pressures out there, and we're going to continue to push for some type of short-term economic assistance. But we also are finally seeing some growth in overall cotton demand, and hopefully that will continue to longer term to be a positive for the U.S. industry. Our thanks to National Cotton Council President and CEO Gary Adams, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse... I'm Jeff Daly.